0: What do they say? Third time's a charm? More like 30. Let's see if you can get it right this time. Hey, it's Sachet, and this is The Conscious Creator Show. Through exclusive interviews with authors, actors, entrepreneurs, musicians, other podcasters, and all kinds of creators, we'll explore how to make a life through your art without selling your soul. The creative side of business and the business side of being a creator, if you will, We've got a host of amazing partners like Brain.fm and other amazing companies. So head on over to creators.show, that's C-R-E-A-T-O-R-S.show to get new episodes, exclusive guides, partner deals, and more. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone. Welcome to today's episode. So today's episode is with my good friend Farbod. And I actually want to thank SJ who's also been a previous guest for introducing us. So SJ, which I think was episode 5 or 6, recently organized an impact residency at Sundance Film Festival and I was fortunate enough to be part of that, which is where I met Farbod. And his story is insane. So Farbod was born and raised in Tehran in Iran and there he basically wrote and directed numerous stage plays and started an underground illegal metal band which was the first to release a persian language metal album on the worldwide platform of the time in 2013 he wrote and directed his first short film ellipsis and thanks to its international success he was able to move to to the united states in the last 5 years he's been busy making movies and forming friendships and his recent films and projects have been supported recognized or awarded by organizations such as Sundance. I think it's called Ohaka Film Fest and many more. And this was a really special conversation because one of the things I personally was struggling with with everything going on around in the world right now was what's the point of the podcast? What's the point of art? And given Farbo's background, he was born in Iran when there was a war going on there. So we really have an, in- an interesting conversation about why it's important to be creative, um, does art actually matter. The last about 10 to 15 minutes are probably one of my favorites we've recorded on this podcast so far because we have a really frank discussion of what is the point of art, what does it mean to be a conscious creator, and Farbot's whole story is just amazing, so I'll stop here and here's Farbot. Farbod, welcome.
1: How are you, Sachin? Great to be here.
0: Thank you for joining. I am doing okay. Yes, just sort of for a historical snapshot, we're recording this first week of April in 2020 where there's the coronavirus pandemic that's raging throughout the world. And we really met about three months ago through our friends SJ and Weston. And SJ's already been on the show. Weston's going to be on in the next few weeks.
1: Perfect.
0: Their Sundance Impact Residency Yes. And it
1: was, um, great.
0: it was an amazing experience. It was my first time and you premiered your film there, Forbidden to Scream in Tehran. And That's
1: right.
0: it was an amazing movie. And we are definitely Thank going you. to spend a lot of time on that. But really, like I wanted to sort of, so one of the reasons I wanted to like do this interview with you is because of your early background and, and sort of like where mm. you grew up, because I personally feel that we're in the world sort of going through this crisis, right? And personally for me, like I went through a few weeks and I I still go through this like days of really honestly like not wanting to be a creative or not wanting to be creative at all and just kind of like with everything going on and um, sort of given your background, like that's what you were raised in, right? So like even before we sort of like move on to sort of your, your projects and everything, take us back there, like take us back to your early uh, childhood and life in Iran and and really paint a picture for for people uh, so that they can understand how your creative journey started.
1: Of course. So it's, it's kind of hard for me to repackage all my life, just like in a few sentences, but I will take, take as
0: much time as you need.
1: Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I was born in Tehran, uh, in Iran. And let me tell you, this is—it's crazy. It was crazy back then, and it's—I can't even understand how crazy it was. Much better right now because I can look at my life from outside of the box. You know, I'm not inside it anymore, so I can see. Oh my God, that was alive. So, just to give you like a, a little bit of information, I—I I moved here at the age of—I think I was 29. I was 30 when I moved here. I was two months into my thirties when I moved here, it was about uh, five years ago. And yeah, I was uh, born in Iran, and I was trying to make movies in Iran for decades, and I was never allowed to make the movies I wanted to make. I wanted to make music. I was never allowed to make the music I wanted to make. Uh, It was a real struggle, and the only solution for us to be creative in that situation was really to be creative. We have to we had to find creative ways to be able to create art, to be able to have a voice. And they say limitations gives you kinda limit I I can say now. Limitations kinda trains your brain to be more creative, to think more outside of the box, to like uh have a better view of your challenges and of your goals. So in that regard it was great. But other than that, yeah, it is, it is real madness. And there are a lot of artists that can work very well in, within the system in Iran. A small portion of them work for the government. So that's just a small portion of them that Iran, sometimes we used to call them sellouts. They just work for the government and just do what they are told to do. But they are a small portion. There are a lot of other great artists that are working in Iran despite all the limitations. They just being creative, how to like, how to deal with these limitations and still make great art. And they have won Oscars. They have won uh, the Cannes Film Festival Award. They have won all sorts of awards and all, they have received all sorts of international recognition. But there are another group of people who really can work in Iran because the kind of work you want to do, the kind of art you want to make, it's so different from what the government of Iran would approve of, that you can never really be true to yourself and make art in Iran. Otherwise, you have to sacrifice so much. There's the censorship is so harsh. For example, I loved rock and metal music, and especially, mm-hmm. so it became better that time went on, but especially when I was around 24, 25, and I was really starting to like dip my toe into the, like making music and recording music i think it was 223 i don't quote me either. i don't know but it was many years ago and uh, yeah there was no ways for us to make metal music hard rock music and just release the album and just get get the permission from the government <laughs> to perform and everything so yeah it is it is crazy it is Cries,
0: <laughs> and even before sort of like you started doing music like you were at from what you were t- telling me before like sort of like born there during sort of like war times right like um because i think like yeah. when, when when we hear in the western world about iran like we see on the news um we can't really imagine what it's like right it's so like can you paint a picture of like what it is like there? like what do you feel most westerners don't understand about iran and life there
1: the one thing that most persons will understand is that we are not the image the government is showing of us to you. We are not this stereotypical people who go to the street and shout down with that, down with this, and whatever that is. We are, that's a, that's like a very really small percentage of people of in, Iran. The other thing is the government is like. The government is doing everything it can to create that image, so the biggest thing for me is that to let the world know that's not the image of people in Iran. I live in Iran. I just moved here five years ago, and I can't tell you one hundred percent that that image does not represent even ten percent of Iranians. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you with one hundred percent certainty that most Iranians are just actually, like, when I come here, people usually ask me, oh, how was the cultural shock? And I'm I'm like, what cultural shock? (laughs) It is not really that different. People are the same. People are, like, in terms of how religious people are, how much, like, they, like, I don't want to, like, categorize it. In every regard, people are the same, right? The biggest shock for me was actually because of, my introduction to United States was through was through the movies and through the Hollywood movies for the most of my life. When I came here, I was culturally shocked when I saw oh people are not as open-minded as they are in the movies here. So my culture shock was like, the other way around. But like in I, I first went to Florida and a small city in Florida, but in Iran, like people in generally, especially in the capital, Tehran, are much more open-minded in my experience compared to that the small city in Florida. However, yeah, I was born in the war time in uh I was four years old when war is over. And I can I can like, talk about that a little bit. That was a crazy time, even though I felt just a cheat, but I remember a lot.
0: Yeah, do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. So like people then you talk with people about war here, it's something that's happening in a remote place that people have no idea what is going on. Also you hear about your troops. And uh, like you hear about it on the news, but in Iran, we have Iran was involved with Iraq, and with Saddam Hussein. So he used to bomb cities of Iran where we used to live. So I remember there was this warning alarm that would go every once in a while, and it was for such a scary noise. Like it, it was such a loud, and scary noise, and. At that moment, like me, my family, my grandparents, we all knew, okay, we have to run to the basement because a bomb might hit our home. And like, just we all might just die. So we do just run into the basement. And the next day, you know, got in the street and you see, oh, there was this home, like, like just one block away. Now that home is like turning into dust. And like people, everyone has died in that home. So it yeah, it, it was very tangible in that sense. I was only four years old, so my parents were really careful for me to not like feel the real weight of it, but I never forget those those moments that just, yeah, those small moments that I could see their the horror in their faces. It, it was crazy. So,
0: sort of a tangential question, and I hope I'm phrasing it the right way, like when you move to the U.S. and, and when you see sort of... How much people have right and like like for me immigrating from india i see like where I think like people some and i've been guilty of this like where I sometimes don't appreciate everything that they have w- what sort of perspective does coming from that background give you when when you come here and when you see that
1: so when i was in iran there are a different uh, there are a few different ways to look at it when i was in iran so i had a wealthy family so I had almost everything I needed. And when you have money, you can do a lot of stuff in the street, but you can do everything like uh, inside your home. Right. So when I come here in terms of wealth, actually for me, I, I went down because I came here to start from zero. Right. Mm -hmm. and i said okay it's working i come here i start from zero because i want i know what i want to do i don't care about that but the one thing that i can tell you that you really should appreciate much more is the freedom that you have freedom to speak freedom of expression like you can tell you can say you can show what you want to say what you want to show what you want to tell and like that's that's the biggest reward I, i believe like in my mind, that, that's the biggest, that, I, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words, but that's the most important thing in my mind that you have here, but you don't know it for. I, sometimes I tell my friends, they say, okay, so how do you see that, how, what's happening here? And I say, okay, I don't know what's happening here, but you are like American friends. So I, sometimes I tell them you are living in a free country, but you are acting like you're living in a dictatorship. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you, res- you preserve your your right to freedom of speech. That's, it's not being able to say what you want to say. Okay, let me, let me tell you from the perspective of an artist. So from the perspective of an artist, when I have something to say, it's like you have, you are pregnant with a baby, right? It's, that's your art. You want to give birth to it and show it to the world, right? The problem is, at least for me, and many, many like me in Iran, that you can never give birth to that baby. So your imagination is uh, working 100% of the time and just creating this amazing stuff that you really love and you really love to show to others, but you can never show them to others. So you can never give birth to this baby. It's nine months it, it, it starts growing in your body. It's not a baby anymore after a few years. It's like a five years old cheat And It does, it's not what you eat, it's not enough to feed that baby. So it starts eating you you from the inside. And at some point in my life, I had to use, like, I had to, I was allowed to take up to seven pills just to maintain my mental health in Iran. Because it really, it can, if you are a creative person, if you have, if you are an artist in any shape or form, and if you're not allowed to let it go, you can basically go kind of insane so when i came here even though everything for me went back to zero like my home here in the u.s at some point was smaller than my bathroom in iran right but i my mentally, i was healthy because i'm able to make i'm able to grow i'm seeing the growth i'm making what i want to make and people are starting to notice it and like it and like i met sarah it was an amazing opportunity for me to meet her and she was so kind and she became the executive producer of my movie of forbidden screaming terror and that was like a dream come true you know what i'm saying so yeah that people should know the value of that
0: yeah the the even with everything going on we have the ability to say and talk about whatever we want to talk about and that's part yeah. of our i think pretty sure the first amendment rights and yeah and and, and that's a gift that we and sometimes take for granted.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, that's the biggest gift, I would say. Like that's the that's your biggest asset in the United States. So I would say just be careful, be careful that so uh, the problem is when I when I look at the scene here, like both so both I don't want to be political, but when I see I see like both people on the right and people on the left are kind of attacking it from every direction sometimes. They have different end goals, they have different purposes, they have, sometimes they have good intentions, but the problem is freedom of speech doesn't care about your intentions. That's the whole point. No one should decide for you if your intentions are good or not. That the whole point is you are free to do to, to say what you want to say. I want to say only good stuff, right? But mm-hmm. like when the government in Iran was deciding for me, oh... But what, what you are saying is that stuff. So don't, don't, don't give your rights away so easily. At the end, you might lose everything.
0: Mm-hmm. And sort of like in the backdrop of that, where the government is telling you what you can say it or not. What was sort of the first creative project that you did? <laughs> I, I, I know it was you started the, the band, but was that the first one, or was there something before?
1: Oh, no, I used to. Uh, so, uh, of course, I used to like make a lot of movies with my parents' camera at home and stuff. With my brother, I had to bribe him to be my actor, my, my main character. But yeah, the first big creative project that I had, I was in fifth grade, and so there was this uh, competition for the best painting. So I made a paint, I made a painting, and so I made a, It was the, the the they gave us a subject. You have to. You have to paint something about war right so war was still a very fresh subject in the mind of everyone in Iran. It was just it has been just over for like five, six, seven years. so I made a painting and my painting won the first award, and I was like, "Wow, I'm just so excited. hell, that's amazing and i they they put up this big ceremony to to give the awards to these students who have won and i was I was number one or number two. I don't actually remember. <laughs> Then this guy goes to the stage and say, and they show their painting and they showed my painting. There was, they were the soldiers in the ground fighting and the guy says, look at the pigeons or doves in the sky. They are symbols of peace. He's thinking about peace during the war. This kids like can't symbolize so well, so talented. And I was like in my head, I was like, oh dude, what the hell is happening here? Those are not pigeons or doves.'" <laughs> So, they are spaceships, <laughs> so that was my first amazing experience. I won a competition because someone thought my spaceships are symbols of peace and are pigeons. So, that was the first exposure I really received in my life and it was one of the funniest ones. But it started from there, I always uh, was the theater kid, go play in the stage and all that stuff. and. I always loved music I started learning music I started learning animation I started learning to make movies and yeah I was making movies and music all the time in Iran. You know, like I was just not allowed to release them in any capacity
0: and how does that feel like you're you're making this art yeah and you can't release it and 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 then and sort of like and then what do you do about that
1: it's not just you can't release it. So we release a few stuff. And sometimes when you release it, you're afraid they might come and like put you in prison. Or even worse, you might, they might kill you. You know what I'm saying? There is this ban in Iran. We never faced that. But there is another metal ban in Iran. <sighs> they just released some songs. They put them in prison and they give them death sentence for blasphemy. So, yeah, they got away. Thank God. But it's so scary. So it's not just not being able to realize it. Even if you realize it in a very limited capacity, if the government find out about it, yeah, shit can hit the fan at any moment. They might come after you, and you never know what's gonna happen next. It is a scary.
0: And first of all, like that's that's so heavy, right? Like kind of like what you were saying about freedom of expression. We take so much for granted. Like I'm thinking, like it, it was sort of like this everything that's happening now, like I, I was feeling like, I don't feel like being creative, but we still have that opportunity. We still have that choice. We're, we're not in a position where we might literally like be taken to jail for exploring our interests. Um, and...
1: Even that, I mean, I'm just thinking about our uh, situation, right? It is really dark out there. I'm here right now, but yeah, I want people to know what's happening over there. A lot of my friends are still there, all of them almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. Yeah. It's just scary.
0: And we're going to get to sort of like how you made the movie with them and everything. But but, but before that, so so it, with everything like this going on, you decide to start a band.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I started a metal band in Iran. And I was just, I just learned That is, I me, I had a couple of friends. My first band was with two of my friends at the beginning. My first metal band. I had a rock band before that. A very soft rock band because we we, we wanted as still if we can in any way to release our music, so the government won't come after us. But then we see, okay, there is no way we can. We're gonna do it. The government's gonna come after us anyway. So we said, okay, fuck it, let's do what we love. So we went the other way and said, okay, let's just be metal. We release it. Whatever happens, happens. Right. We were still be, we were still pretty careful, to like not put our names out there as much as we could. Don't put out big shows and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a still, it was a still very risky. And I just, I, I started the band with two of my friends, Aydina Fekhari and Arya Alizadeh, who was my cousin actually. And one day we sat together, okay, let's start a metal band. And everyone says, yeah, hell yeah. And so, okay, what's the name of the band? And we, okay, and we decided to come up with the stupidest name that we can come up for a band. And we decided, okay, let's call our band off. I don't know why we decided to go with that name, but we started calling our band up, and that was the start of it. They started making music, It gained some recognition. It was working very well for a period of time. I remember even at one point, there was a mention of our band on the Guardian website on the Guardian newspapers website. Uh, I wish I had saved it. It wasn't anything big, but like it was a big deal for us that even mm-hmm. like guardians are mentioning our band making metal. And like a lot of people in Iran said, "Oh, you are the first band who's like making metal music with Persian lyrics." I'm not sure if that's true, so don't quote me on that. Some of some of the people uh, who were uh, working in the genre and they were older than us told us, but so there might be other bands that never really released the song or like they didn't gain the attention that we did. So I'm not sure if that's the case. But yeah, we started making music uh, with Persian lyrics and we started thinking of hearts out, but things kind of got dark in the middle a little bit there was some problems it kind of got dangerous so we couldn't we couldn't keep on going like that anymore so we decided to like do the uh, to get away from that image we we stopped the band for quite a few years and then we started again we started doing some English lyrics, uh, doing music with English lyrics, so the government, like we are not such an easy target for the government anymore. And we just like it, just went, it was just so fucking crazy that we had to stop at some point and like think about what we are doing. You know what I'm saying? Is it worth it? Is it worth all the risks that we are taking? So yeah, we have slowed down. We slowed down the band uh, tremendously, but it was it for some of the best years of my life. Yeah, making music, going crazy with it. People recognizing your music in the streets, hearing the car next to you listening to your music, and it was not even an official release. They we were like releasing or something underground, hand by hand. They were cities were like big back then, so we would give our cities to the people. So it was a great experience, but risky, but exciting.
0: Yeah, and I just sort of like want to highlight that because I think again, going going back to where we started, like you're 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 basically risking your life to pursue your creative pre- art energy, I don't right?
1: want to be super dramatic about it, so when I was doing it, I wasn't thinking, "Oh, I'm risking my life, I'm so fucking brave. I knew it's risky, but I wasn't mm-hmm. focusing on that, yeah, but yeah, that was a possibility yeah. always
0: yeah but and and I think like if you're going to that, you don't like you can't focus on it right because that that can sort of like yeah,
1: work. yeah, <laughs> so you cannot do anything, yeah.
0: Yeah. And so so, what did that transition then from music and your band to filmmaking look like for you?
1: So uh, actually I transitioned from filmmaking to music because I was always making movies and like, I, okay, it's not correct to say I transitioned from I guess it was both music. together. Yeah. And at the same time, so my, I wasn't I always loved making music, but I, was, I wasn't active in it. But I was mm-hmm. an active, uh, active musician. I had, like we had band and we were like releasing stuff so i wasn't really an active filmmaker but i was a theater student so my bachelor degree was in theater so i was at the same time or even before i had time i was directing stage shows like writing putting up uh, stage shows uh like it was mostly within the university mm-hmm. so we were doing this inside the university so we had a much more we had much more freedom. We couldn't do most of what I was doing inside the the university, outside of the university for the general public. So that was exciting too. And then after that, I said, "Okay, I want to make movies." Then they didn't give us permission. They didn't give us permission. And making movies is kind of different from making music. So you can make a music inside your home or inside the garage with your band, right? But Mm Movies is different. You have to put, you have to take a camera and go outside and start filming people. You know what I'm saying? So it's much more dangerous. So I basically started with theater. I went to music, and then I went back to movies. But right now, even I, even though I'm making movies, I usually write the music for my movies myself. Usually, especially if they are songs, but not all the time. And I'm still using all that experiences. So i'm not seeing that myself as transitioning between two different forms of art i'm just seeing like marrying them together and just doing my stuff
0: yeah how, how do you feel, what do you feel is like sort of like the difference for you when you're creating music and movies and and so like what are the differences and what are the common themes in terms of the art forms
1: uh so the differences are like in practical terms there are a lot of differences right but uh you go to the heart of it they are basically very similar you have to have a tempo Uh, in movies you're gonna change the tempo a lot because it's gonna get boring if you have like a like for example a feature from 90 minutes movie with the same tempo but this song is like four minutes we kind of stay on the same tempo so you have the rhythm you have the theme you have the ups and downs you know you have the kinda you have the acts but in music it's, it's different like you have like First chorus, first chorus, mid part, uh, bridge, stuff like that. But in movie, like your your arcs are more pronounced, but they are very similar. Like basically, they are you are telling a story with the tools you are given, whether it's a camera or a guitar. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What, what is your like process? So let that's like you have an idea for for a movie, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm really curious, like, what does that process look like? from once you have the idea to like, and I know it's a very broad question, but for me, like, I've always been curious about how sort of like movies are made.
1: So I believe it's different for everybody. For me, most of the time, it starts with an image or an idea that I like. And then I say, okay, what is it, brain? What are you trying to tell me? Where does that image come from? Who are these people? What is that idea? And then you just go through a journey to this cover a side of yourself that you never knew it existed before and then that side of yourself tell you everything you need to know about that story or about that song or about that image So that's the process for me it's always like a discovery and but that's like that's a small portion of it the biggest thing is you have to you have to have the courage you have to have the, the will to make it happen so i had to travel half of the world be able to make some of this stuff happen. And you have to be willing to go far. You have to be willing to like go that far to bring this stuff that you think of to life. Yeah.
0: In the context of the different projects that you've done, which you've done many, um, what have what have been sort of like some of the hardest points in the journey of filmmaking?
1: Oh, that's a hard question. So for the first thirty years, it was just being able to talk like talk, oh I need I need to tell this story. I'm going fucking insane. And the thing is when you are thinking then you are coming up with all this crazy shit. It's like you have to get them outside of your system. If you don't, they start driving you crazy. Like imagine like you think of a dark story, a dark image in your mind, right? And you, you found a message in that message and you want to share that message with the world. You might even think, oh, it it can make the world a better place. The problem is then you don't get that image out. It just sits in your brain, and you live with that darkness. Like that, I think I think that's lucky for most artists. And you, to that darkness is stop consuming you. So the biggest thing for me, for the first thirty years of my life, was to just be able to get the shit out, out of my brain. You know, or to share it with some people. That was the biggest thing. But when I came here, there. In the last five years, I made a lot of projects. I feel like, I've been going wild at it. I've had, i been lucky I met an amazing people, but I was just going at it. I was supported by some amazing people. The Sundance Film Festival supported one of my motion comic projects, and they supported me to get my visa and did everything. I met people like Sara, and like it was like a dream come true. She's amazing, and Emmy Award winner, extremely talented creative person and she has a heart of gold like she doesn't talk about that with other people but like i've been with her she really wants to help people and she really cares about things and and i found managers i found uh, some amazing companies who have like supported my project and i've been making movies with their help but i mean it, it took a long time like five years is not that long i know but I was working to just be able to talk for 30 years. And in the last five years, I just kept on going at it. Sometimes, like, you don't get the result from the project that you finished. You don't get the result that you wanted to get. But the thing is, you shouldn't stop. You should just keep on going, keep on going. And then the results will stop coming and they will keep on coming and keep on coming. Yeah.
0: I love that. And, and definitely, like, first of all, I would agree. That I think that, um, if you're working on any creative project, having Sarah as uh, Jay on your side is yeah. basically a superpower.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> she <laughs> she is that I don't know what what her uh, super heroine name would be. Executive producer woman. <laughs> 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 but she's amazing. Like she can do all she can. She can do. She can make your wildest dream come true. Yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, oh, everyone around her is amazing. Weston is amazing. Oh, I, I mean, I'm just mentioning these people because your audience, you already mm-hmm. have interviewed Sarah and you're going to interview Weston, so people know them. So Weston is amazing. Is it is he's just great? Or man, Austin, Ryan, all people around her are mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah,
0: completely agree. And so, so you had given me a little bit of information of sort of like what that move from you from iran to the u.s looks like but can you tell people about that
1: yeah (laughs) so i was trying to make movies like trying to get permission for movies and shit and i wasn't able to get permission and stuff and i was at the same time i thought oh i'm putting myself out there to get this permission but they find out i'm the guy who has made all those metal songs with those kind of crazy lyrics kind of being angry at god and stuff you know the government is like super sensitive about their version of god and stuff like that so <laughs> it was getting scary but anyway i wanted to make a movie and i it was just not happening i couldn't do it but yeah i couldn't make movies so i decided okay it's it's like i was 27 28 at that point i was like okay told my friends okay so they don't let us make movies and all that shit. i want to make a movie I want to tell a story about my own situation, but in a symbolic way, about all our, or not just my situation, it's the situation of me and my friends and everyone. But I decided to make this movie in a remote desert. So I tell a story in a symbolic way, but in a remote desert, which was very fitting for the kind of a story I wanted to say. The benefit was there was no cops in that desert. That desert is very close to the hottest fucking spot on earth. On planet Earth, there is a spot in Iran that, is, has the hot, that, that has the record for the hottest spot on planet fucking Earth. And we were sent super close to that area of the them. It was kind of risky because, you know, you can get lost. People sometimes die in the desert. But we had we had a great team. We had some survivalist experts that mm-hmm. were coming really handy. And we went to the desert. Okay, no one is going to come after us in this fucking desert. Let's make the movie here. And we made the movie and that movie did pretty well. It went to some big festivals and that movie basically enabled me to come to the United States. That was the first professional movie I ever made at the age of 28. I 20, after three decades, almost three decades of trying. And that movie got me here. I'm really thankful for that and for my friends.
0: Can, can you talk a little bit sort of like what the movie was called and what it, it was about?
1: Yeah, the movie was Ellipsis. It's actually on my YouTube channel. And it was about a guy. So, that the, so the basic premise of the movie is a guy who is buried in sand up to neck. So he, only his head is out. And every day, two people bring him some food and water, right? And he doesn't know who are these people. He doesn't know what is the situation. But these two people never give him enough food and water. And one day he challenges the people. He said, what the fuck is happening? Why are you not giving me enough food and water? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And they say to him, we are your imagination. If you give you enough food and water, if you feel full, you will not think about us anymore. And we might fade away. So that's the premise of the movie. And it's kind of an allegory of the situation that I was in Iran. And yeah, that's the movie that got me here.
0: That that's amazing. Thank thank you for sharing that. Um, of course, thank you. I definitely want to get to the project that I saw Forbidden to Scream in Tehran, but I think right. it it wouldn't do it justice if we didn't talk about sort of like what that journey from from you coming to the U.S. to that looked like. And, and this is a broad question because I know you did a bunch of different projects, um, and I want to really like leave it open for you to sort of share the ones you want to share. Sure. So so sort of what was that journey from once you came came to the U.S. and and what did that look like?
1: Oh, so once I came to the United States, uh, I just started making movies. I, I came here, I was a student at the, at the beginning, a film student, a mass. I got accepted to two universities. One was a very big, famous university, but it was super expensive. And it was a two-year program. So I decided I to go to another uh, university. It was in Florida. It was a, a great university, but it, it, was, it was half the price. And it was a three year program. It was it worked really great for me. I had I met some of the most amazing professors there. And it's it's funny, let me tell you. Like it was be funny for a lot of creative people I had the professor there, Tom Muskar. He's amazing. He's an amazing artist. He's an amazing professor. He has taught me so much in my life. There are a lot of people that I have to mention by name here because I owe them so much. One of them I already mentioned, like start out. Another one is Tom. Tom Moscow. He he always used to tell me, Farwood, you are so lucky. I was like, why am I so lucky? He said, you are so lucky because you had such a fucked up life. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. This is, his point was, okay, this gives you like, it makes you more creative, right? It gives you more interesting ideas. That was his point. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, professor. So yeah, I started just making movies at the university and just nonstop, just make movies, all sorts of movies. Like from surreal movies, short movies, motion comics. I learned animation. I made animated projects. One of the projects that I really liked was a Batman fan film I made as in the university, in the last university. of my university. I said, oh, let me make a Batman fan because this and the story is so wild for that fan film. I know, like it can never be like an official Batman because it's so. It's, so fucking crazy in the in, in the terms of the universe. But I said, okay, I want to do it. I'm passionate about it. when I was a kid in Iran, I really loved Batman. i for mm-hmm. like Batman is kinda of like a hero in because Gotham City kind of seems like Tehran in, in in some ways. So that was it. That was an interesting project that I did in the university. Uh, the movie is called Batman George. I'm I'm proud of that one. I made a few short films in Magrane Sand. I, I made a couple of horror things. I made a lot of things. I just, I was just giving it out. And like, I was seeing, okay, so what kind of people I have? I'm like, so everyone is a student. You are all a student, right? I was just checking, okay, so, okay, this group of students are good at this thing. So I would write a story, story based on my cinematography, because I wasn't paying anyone. I, I could, the baggage could be chosen. So I, I was just working with whatever I was given and I was just going at it. And when I finished school, then I was like, okay, now I want, okay, that was fun. So now I want to like make another movie. Like, like I'm not saying those movies in the school were not serious, but they were like, I was, they were all the students, right? And I love them. And I'm very proud of them. I, I, you ask me, I think I, I love them for what, what they are. And I think they are great. You don't ask me, but I'm pretty I'm, creative fucking bias <laughs> but i want okay so i want to make a movie with professionals and i was lucky to meet this uh group of people at Talis and Nexus, so victoria patrick victoria hill uh patrick and they were mad at what they were great they helped me they financed. they so a lot of my movies i made in the university they went to some good festivals one of them was even like backed up by sundance and the uh, sundance like Having to finish that project. Like they give me all the resources. They just took me to places to meet people and everything. So they were all fun. And thanks to all those projects, I started to meet a lot of people outside of the university, going to festivals and bandas and everything. And I, I met people at Tarzan Nexus. I met Victoria Hill kind of find me, found me. Mm-hmm. She liked my Bad and Jokes project and she came after me. She said, oh, we want you to make a movie for us. And I was like, okay, let's make a. I'm gonna make a movie that I want to tell you a story that I really deeply really care about. Just not in terms of it's a good story to tell, but in terms of it being a personal story, and that's how Forbidden is just a screaming death on was born. And yeah, let's talk about it. That that's how that project came to be, basically.
0: Yeah, go for it. Go for the story.
1: <clears throat> yeah, man. So I wanted. So the story is about the metal band in Iran, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of autobiographical but it's really not uh at the same time and i was okay so people were telling me okay make the movie here and i was like oh that's not gonna fucking work right because i needed a lot of people need a lot of settings a lot of we need a lot of Persian actors and it won't feel authentic and i wanted it to feel authentic i didn't care how i wanted it to feel authentic but if if i don't make this movie as authentic as i can make this movie I'm wasting my time. I prefer to not make this movie. And the only way to fucking make this movie authentic is to go back in Iran and shoot it. And the only fucking problem is I cannot go back in Iran. <laughs> I might not be able to ever come back, come out again, or even uh, they might send me into some fucking jail. I don't know that. They are crazy over it. I have made some movies they won't like here. Small problem that you can't go back. It's a very, a very a small problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fucking crazy. So yeah, I wanted to make this authentic movie and I couldn't go back in Iran. And all my friends are in Iran. I talked with them. I said, okay, guys, I have this fucking crazy idea. Tell me what you think. So my idea is I direct the movie through WhatsApp. You guys go shoot the movie. I tell you the story. And I direct the movie through WhatsApp, right? And it was such a fucking crazy idea, but I was lucky that I was able to convince the producers Victoria, she trusted me a lot. And the other producers were like, trust me with the idea. And they were like, hell yeah, let's fucking do it. So basically, my friends in Iran put themselves at risk to make this movie mm-hmm. right? while I was not actress at all. I was directing it through WhatsApp. So they are the real brave directors of the movie, you know. I, I They were really fucking brave, you know. But okay, I don't want to discuss everything they did because I don't want to make any trouble. Definitely. But yeah, we made sure after the movie is done, everything is good. We made sure, right? But during shoot, during the shoot, they were at risk. Mm-hmm. When they were shooting, they were really at risk. And they were really, give the movie their all, their heart. And I'm just really proud of them. And we made the fucking movie with WhatsApp. And it's fucking crazy. <laughs>
0: It is. Um, yeah. and I think, like what you're sharing about, sort of like them being at risk. Like it sort of like relates to the premise of the movie because in the premise of the movie, actually, I, I don't want to give. I don't know what I can give away. So, do you want to share what the premise of the movie is? What you
1: like? <laughs> yeah, sure. The, the premise of the movie is about this uh, metal singer in Iran, this scare who has a metal band, who's a metal singer, and so in Iran, it's much, much, much worse for women. Men, we cannot sing metal, but men can, we can sing in other genres, like we can't sing pop, for example, as long as the government approve of the pop music. But women cannot sing in any genre. They cannot solo sing in any genre, mm-hmm. anywhere, under any circumstances. So they have much force. They have it much force. So it's about this woman who wants to, who, who, who has a metal band and they cannot do anything. And it's very risky. And at one point in her life, she has a choice to make, right? She has to either choose to sell her friend in a way to be for her own success. You know what I'm saying? Or like, and her success for her, it means she can't take care of her little sister too. Her sister is deaf and new. Or like forget about the success, forget about taking care of her little sister and not sell her friends. So that's the big, big choice she has to make. And the movie is about that choice and the consequences of her final choice. Mm -hmm. And And what she goes through,
0: yeah. And we won't give more away. And and we'll we'll sort of like have the information on how people can, I guess, watch it or or find it. Because I know you're still working on that part. Yeah, I I certainly remember watching it and just remember the silence in the room after and just how affected everyone was. one of the things that that I think it definitely like represents maybe like your story or maybe like a composite of the story of, of your friends growing up right and about what it means to be creative
1: yes it's a you you put it beautiful, it's a composite, yeah it's a composite of me and my friends and even people who I know in Iraq that were not like necessarily my friends, you know what i'm saying that's the life of many of artists and what happened to them, so it's it's a composite of all these stories. I have composed all of the stories into one story, the journey of one character, the journey of one band. You know what I Without saying a lot, like just taking this one small bit of every story to create this uh, comprehensive journey mm-hmm. of this character that is a representative of this, of the situation of all artists in Iran I and mean, into a smaller scale of all metal musicians in Iran.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and I think talk talk about the show as sort of like the the main character and the main lead being a woman and, and just sort of like women and creativity, especially sort of in the context of how it is
1: yeah and everything. Well, so first of all, I love my actress. She she gave it all her heart, and she's amazing in this movie. And the final scene, without giving anything away, not saying it's good tears or bad tears, but when she's there are tears in her eyes. The tears are just running down. She's giving out all her heart, and she's leaving the character at that moment. You know what I'm saying? She's not really acting. Mm-hmm. She's like leaving that character. She is that character in a sense. So, she, so yeah, I so I love my main character, just the character, and the just even if you don't consider the main actors later, the main character is the girl Shima. Uh, When I said it's autobiographical, but at the same time, it really is It's based on my own experience. I had a metal band, and it's very close to my own story to putting on a metal band. We had this kind of crazy opportunity to do some crazy stuff. At one point, toward the end, for for about a year, we had an amazing female singer in our band when we were doing only English lyrics, and she was great, and she was not allowed to sing in any genre in any way in Iran. So we had a female singer in our band, so I kind of took the inspiration from a female singer in our band too. She's right now in Germany. Thank God she was able to get away. She's not working uh in music right now. I hope she starts on. She just got away from the fucking situation. But yeah, I choose the main character to be a girl. One of the main reasons is that because women have it much worse, right? I want to represent... But to the, for drama, you have to go... You have to go big or like don't 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 even go there, you know what I'm saying? So I choose a character who has it much worse than me. when I was in Iran. I had it pretty bad, but I wasn't even close to the worst case scenario. Like women were at the bottom of the barrel. They they it's it's fucking ugly for them. Like they had to it's so bad for them. Like just one example is that they cannot sing in any genre, solo sing in any genre anyway. Anyway. So that's her main character, and that's the journey she goes through to like break free from the limitations and the pain she has to face. And uh, her sister is deaf and mute. One of the reasons is her sister is deaf and mute because Shima is figuratively deaf and mute, and her sister is literally deaf and mute. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it creates some sort of drama between them that helps the audience understand the story better and it creates some symbolism, the situation that she is in. And it's also like, it's easier to understand her pain than she has to make a choice to tell her friends. A portion of it is to take care of, to be able to take care of her little sister. Mm-hmm. Because success will bring her the ability to take care of her little sister. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you see her sister is deaf and mute, and deaf and mute people have it a tad harder in Iran than they have it in here. Yeah. So yeah, everything just fit together. I mean, everything is not 100% based on what happened. I just dramatized the story of my life, my friends, my band, and the other artists in Iran that I knew of. Yeah.
0: And and when you sort of, like, look at what the film can do, right, as a creative sort of, what sort of impact do you feel or want the film to create?
1: I want my friends to be seen. First of all, I want myself to be seen. I'm super narcissistic, like all artists, right? I'm making a star to be seen, okay? I'm shitty like that. Put that aside. I want my friends to be seen. You know what I'm saying. I want people to understand the situation. There are so many fucking talented people in Iran, not just in music, not just in arts, like in every regard. So, yeah, I want people to know like this that the image you see of Iran is so different from the real Iranians. And when I show them to the people, I can see the surprise in their face. Oh, holy shit! Is, is that Iran? Are they Iranians? Are they like us? You know what I'm saying? Are they mm-hmm. talented? Do they have ambitions? Do they have dreams? Do they have goals? What the hell, you know? And it's so surprising to see people even get surprised by finding out some people in Iran have dreams and ambitions. You know what I'm saying? Just basic human, well, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing when I see people's reaction to this movie. And at the same time, it's a bit depressing to see, wow. The bar is so low in their so low in their mind.
0: I know exactly what you're saying because I think like yeah. um, we we I remember when I first moved here from India in college, like there were people that were literally like, "Oh, you're from India? Do you guys have oh. like snakes and like ride on elephants?" And I was like, "Yes, oh you ride on elephants." <laughs> I had the
1: exact same thing, ride right on camels though. For us, it was <laughs> camels. So yeah, the image of Iran is kind of crazy now. Most people actually. Politically, I have a good understanding of the situation, but they don't have a good idea of how it is for the people, for the everyday people in yeah.
0: yeah, and I think it's it's something I've learned from like all my like traveling around is at the end of the day, people are almost the same everywhere.
1: Um, yeah, very and they true. They want
0: to do the same things, and I think I love your sort of like mission of almost like giving a voice to the voiceless, and and it's yeah. it's like it's sort of like what you needed right when when you were growing up and younger so, so this is more of an abstract question why, why does film matter why does art matter
1: oh man that's such a hard question there is so different ways to look at it like for example for me to make this movie you i just want to mention because you said you give a voice to the voiceless yeah but i don't want to be really the hero of that story the hero of that of people in iran who like <laughs> who would go to the street and risk to to like shoot the things I told them to shoot, you know, they are the heroes of that story. Although again, like I wanted to give a voice to their my friends in Iran, but again, I would say there was something selfish behind it because when I was here, I was always feeling so guilty. Oh, I can't, I can't make the movies I want, I can't make the music I want, but my friends in Iran, they were they were not able to do any of this. You know, so I was always feeling guilty. So this movie was kind of like a therapy for myself. Oh, I want, to, I want to give them a voice. I want to tell that story. So I feel less guilty. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very important to, to, to everyone to have a voice. And why does art matter man? That's a hard question. I mean, I don't even know if it matters. But what are we without art? maybe it doesn't matter. Fuck it. But I can tell you this thing. Everything, everything that we are, everything that we have achieved in war comes from our desire or basic desire to tell a story. And All artists are telling a story. Whether you you are a sculptor, you are a photographer, you are a filmmaker, you are a musician. We are all some, they telling the stories using different languages, different tools, different media, And everything that we have achieved throughout the history is because of those stories. We, used, we need, like thousands of years ago, we used to tell the stories to our children, to teach them how to be good people, how to, how to achieve what they need, how to use tools, how to love each other, how to kill each other, and to this day, we still need these stories to teach the, teach ourselves and the next generation why this stuff matters, uh, how to do this, how to be, how to be a good person, how to, love, how to love each other, and unfortunately, how to kill each other. You know what I am saying? The stories have been always there, not always necessarily for the good of mankind. I, it's a basic need for us to tell the stories and hear the stories. That's I think that's no genes, maybe it doesn't matter, but but what you're gonna do about it you're gonna go crazy if you don't have that.
0: I think that might be sort of the perfect way to end this because you're right. I think like I think at, at our heart, we're all storytellers, like we yeah. as one of my favorite authors, I remember him tweeting this um at the end of the day we're all we we sat around the campfire mm-hmm. and told stories because that's the only way we could make sense of this vastness in the world around us,
1: yeah. That's that's so good to put it. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Um Thank you so much, Sasha. It was amazing talking yeah.
0: to you. Coming towards the end, um last question is and this is something I'm experimenting with. So the name of the show is Conscious Creator. Um
1: right, I know that it's so, amazing name, by the way.
0: <laughs> thank you. So so for you, like what does it mean to be a conscious creator?
1: Oh man, another hard hitting question. What is <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. You know, there is no way for me to tell you how I can be a conscious creator without me coming out of it like a goddamn fucking hero. You know, I am no fucking hero. I tell the stories because I need to tell the stories. And I tell the stories that matter to me. If you are human, I mean, we all humans do shitty things, but basically we all know what is good, what is bad. So, there is something to most of stories in the world, a sense of justice. That's a very basic a storytelling tool. Like all the stories, most of the stories have, have it in some sense, especially mm-hmm. when you talk about movies and like novels and stuff like that. So if you want to justify that justice, you have to understand what is good. You have to understand what is good, what is bad, to be able to like, to be the judge. And like say, okay, this is the justice and this is. So in a way, you have to be conscious to be creative in a sense. You know, you have to have a sense of justice. You have to have a sense of good or bad without necessarily being a good or bad person. So yeah, okay, for me, I'm always hated when people think of me like as a good person. I don't know why is that. I don't know what is it come from. I don't like to be the good person. (laughs) but Yes. When you tell a story, you have to be the good person in some sense. You have to be conscious to be able to make a judgment that people can connect to.
0: And I think maybe it is that like, that we're we're sort of doing this to find the goodness in us. Um,
1: That's very beautifully put. Yeah. You have to find the goodness in yourself or not just the goodness, actually the worst part of yourself too. So like, to tell a compelling story, actually. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a scary journey, but you learn a lot about yourself. But at the end of the day, your story won't connect to people as much if there is no justice in it. What I mean is not that the good character should always win. No, sometimes the bad character should win. But your story should be somewhat self-aware that the bad Mm -hmm. character is winning. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean, justice doesn't mean that you you should always make the good things happen to good people. But you should be, if if you're making bad things happen to bad people, you should be somewhat self-aware of it. And that helps you to connect with more people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And again, that's not a rule. Sometimes you don't have to do any of that to connect to people. But that's just Mm -hmm. like a rule of thumb. Don't...
0: Mm -hmm yeah sometimes it's just about breaking all the rules um
1: yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> so, so we're coming towards the end um if people once people watch this um what, so, so two questions one is like where can obviously like people find you online and we'll have all of that linked up but um as a creative and filmmaker, what's next for you?
1: Oh, so I'm excited to like uh show the forbidden stuff in Tehran in uh more at more events, more festivals and like just take it out there and see more people reacting to it and then share it with the world like put it on vimeo and put it on youtube let people to like everyone in the world to see the movie that's like that i'm excited about that but we have to first do all the festival cycle and finish that and then be very So that's that's something i'm very excited about at the same time thanks to that movie it did very well i i met amazing people like sarah i found a couple of managers and I'm working on a, on a couple of the screenplays. One of them is going to be most probably made by the winner of two years ago, Sundance feature film, best feature film work uh, Sebastian Hoffman uh, for next year. I'm writing a story for him and I'm also developing two stories uh, that I'm going to direct. If people want to see my previous work, they can uh, check my YouTube channel. Farbot Arabili, or they, can't, okay, they can, Google some, they can uh, search for the name of one of my movies because Farbot Arabili is hard to spell and uh, it's hard to let people know, but so that's and jokes, they can search for that movie and then they can find my channel through that movie. You
0: can have all of that, that linked up um, so people can easily find that.
1: Perfect, man. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. Thank I know you so we, 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 i have been do it for a while, but this was... I think the exact right time to do it. And I think your journey and experience is so important, especially in these times. And I'm sure people will learn a lot from it. So thank you for doing this.
1: Thank you so much. It was amazing talking to you.
0: Perfect. All right. See you, everyone. Hey, it's Sachet again. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, make sure you thank our guests and let them know what you thought. There's easy links to all of their social media, Twitter, Instagram, everything else in the show notes. Secondly, make sure you head on over to creators.show to get new episodes, exclusive guides, partner deals, and additional bonuses. See you next week.